another rebound in a crowd by the Brock Ness Monster. Ooh, that would be Pedro. Ooh. Jim Bob Goley, holy moly. How about the Tasmanian Slovenian with the stop, drop, and pop? Tiffany Hop to the King's Herald Barbershop. You're listening to the King's Herald Show, a bi-weekly NBA podcast that covers all the ups and downs, ins and outs of your one and only Sacramento Kings. As always, I'm your host, Will Griffith, and with me today, writer for the King's Herald, my co-host, Tony Zipteris. Tony, how's it going over there? Will, it's going well. Uh, much like the Kings, I am locked in and ready for this uh, final stretch of the season. It's going to be a good one, I think. <laughs> he's, a, uh, he's a former Sacramento Kings head coach, GM and color analyst. GM of a WNBA champion, Indiana Basketball Hall of Famer. It's the true pride of French like himself, Jerry Reynolds. Jerry, as always, it's an absolute pleasure to have you here today. How's it going? Boy, it's a real pleasure to be with you guys again, especially after a huge win yesterday. I was huge. kind of worried about that. So, uh, you know, it's uh, all good in Kingsland. Kicking it off right. So, um, gentlemen, since last we spoke, we've survived the, uh, the last few games pre-All-Star break. Uh, we've survived permanent frontal lobe damage from the actual All-Star weekend. Uh, A storm here in Sacramento that knocked out my power, hence the delays. Uh, We've seen a few solid wins coming back from the time off. Technically, the Kings are four and three since last we spoke, including a horrible loss to Detroit. Never going to mention it again. Didn't happen. It was in the past. Anything pre-All-Star break, I I, I can barely remember who I was. So that's done and over with. Um, They had a loss of the Thunder and the Suns as well. I don't care. We've seen the Kings uh, beat the Nuggets twice. Uh, They've survived Victor Wembanyama and Devin Vassell, as well as the rest of the young Spurs. And then Sunday night, they had a very nice effort that led to a victory on all accounts against a uh, championship contending Clippers. So before we get there, before we get to talking about the fun stuff, we're going to get the bat out of the way first, just so we can coast the rest of the episode on topics we actually care about, topics that actually have merit. So we'll start here. Uh, Did either of you two watch All-Star Weekend? If so, now's your chance to publicly seek help. Talk it out with us. I, uh, I've got to plead guilty. I watched the three-point contest because I've always enjoyed that because I think it's at least a skill and uh, an NBA skill. And, and so I did watch that and I enjoyed the uh, the uh, extra kind of three-point thing with Curry and uh, if, if, I can't pronounce her name, but the young WNBA star. And I thought that was a lot of fun. So, uh, but that was it. I, I I wouldn't. I knew. I didn't know it was going to be as bad as it was, but I knew they weren't going to compete. And I'm just not going to waste what hours I have left on this planet watching that kind of crap. Tony, what about you? Did you watch anything involving All Star Weekend? Uh, I watched the Saturday Night Festivities um, dunk contest. Was atrocious as usual. Uh, I watched a little bit of the All Star Game, but to me, right now, the the most entertaining thing about the All Star about All Star Weekend is the dialogue after every all-star weekend is a travesty. Like it's becoming, uh, I don't know, like a weird dramatic storyline. Like uh, the NBA is acting like it's this big crisis. They had, you know, Adam Silver was upset that there was no defense played. Joe Dumars put a lot of energy and effort into making this a good all-star game. And this is still the product that we got. So like the, the uneasiness with which the NBA is like treading around how bad all-star weekend is to me is like, is way more fascinating than anything that actually happens during the weekend itself. And it, it's it's interesting to me that they care so much about it because I don't think that there is a fix. You know, I do think there's a fix or could be a fix. And and Michael Wilbon, a pardon the interruption, brought this up about three years ago. 
And I thought it made sense then, makes more sense now. The, you know, selecting uh, an international all-star team from WNBA players and play against American NBA players. And I, I think that would bring competition to it because I think the international players would really want to win. And, and I think most likely they would. <laughs> you know, oh, yeah. a high, high percentage of the very best players in the world are not American born anymore, which is, uh, I think a lot of, fans aren't aware of that <laughs> but would be made aware pretty quick i think hey, jerry you're pretty famous for the uh, usa versus the world take um I'm, I'm curious do you guys have any other fixes that you heard of maybe this weekend only because tony you're right the discourse was louder than ever about hey we need to fix it and pretty much everything but the three-point contest needs a fix and i was curious did you guys hear any novel ideas over the weekend over over the the remaining days since that uh, that might have also kind of piqued your interest in terms of what they might do? Because to me, it's obvious throwing money at the problem isn't the answer. Yeah, You're just going to make one team richer and they still won't give a crap. If Larry Bird comes into your locker room or Dr. J or Adam Silver, your, you know, your boss and basically harangues you for you need to take it serious. You need to play with pride. And then you see like Anthony Edwards doing everything left handed the whole day after those talks. I don't think that there's a, uh, I don't think it's a money issue or uh, the old heads need to really just get, get on top of them. I think it, I think there's something a little more complicated involved there, right? I think so. I mean, I think it's a case where, uh, you know, maybe somebody suggested uh, the winning team that if it's a West or East, that whoever comes out of the West would get the number one seed home court type thing against the East or vice versa. You know, that, I don't really think that would do it because most of the players aren't very convinced they'll be, you know, not, they can't, they can't be sure they'd be the team coming out of each conference. So yeah, the, the only other thing I can, you know, you might as well go ahead and, and, and make it a farce and, and do like the NFL or just have it basically, uh, you know, skills games or something, you know, or uh, that, that type of thing. I mean, I think the, the, the uh, NBA Saturday night, get rid of the dunk contest, maybe have another skill contest and really not even have an all-star game on Sunday, just to give the guys another day off, I, I think, because really it's, uh, I mean, it, it's at that stage where it, it's like the NFL Pro Bowl, you know, they, they clearly had to do something and there was no way they were going to get a game out of it. So play, play a little touch football or and some skills competition and or just don't have it at all i mean i i I wouldn't see too much wrong with that just name guys as all-stars and uh you know uh just give them some you know take the all-star break which gets later and later each year Uh, pretty soon if the nfl moves their schedule back the nba all-star game would be played right before the playoffs that's the way i got it yeah Tony, do you do you see no solution in the future for this? I, I lean no solution, even though I like the world versus uh, everyone else. Uh, well, world versus U.S. idea. The only issue I have with that is will the I think the international players were, will care. But if the issue is people want would rather have a break and they're afraid of getting injured. I don't know how you make people take the game seriously, no matter what rules you put around it. If guys are still afraid of getting injured and they just don't really even want to be there in the first place. So that's my, I'd like to see it because it's better than what we got, but I would just be concerned that en- enough of the players still won't take it seriously. The ideas that I find most interesting are the ones that just scrap 
the what the game is right now altogether. I've seen people throw around like three on three tournaments, or I thought the Steph and Sabrina uh, shootout was the best part of All Star Weekend. So maybe you do yeah. a three on three tournament, but each team also has one WNBA All Star just to continue mixing in um, that dynamic. Because I thought that was just seeing those two players on the court at the same time. He was the most fun dynamic we've had. So if if they can share the court in like a three on three setting, where yeah, they aren't going to play a hundred percent, but that's kind of expected going in instead of trying to make these guys play seriously. So I'm, I'm in favor of anything that, that makes it the most different. Cause I don't think a regulation basketball game is going to work with these guys anymore. And it's not just an NBA problem. Like you guys have already mentioned the MLB all-star game is bad. The pro bowl is bad. I couldn't even tell you if the NHL one is good. Cause I haven't watched it in a decade, but it's not working for any league. So it's not just an NBA problem. The, you know, the only other thing I could think of is if you had it, international versus you know american uh and then uh, the winning team each guy got two million dollars and the losing team got nothing you know winner take all two million you know, might be enough did, to yeah yeah you know i mean that gets their attention uh so anyway but uh the only but thing it, i read sorry jerry the only thing i read that would be of interest involving money is having the rookies and sophomores play the all-stars just as kind of a generational thing, oh, the old heads versus the new guys, and making it a money thing for like doubling the salary of all rookies and sophomores, or like three or four. Like the young guys, they don't have a lot of money, so if they're out there playing like dogs, if Anthony Edwards is throwing up left-handed shots. You know, it might take a couple of years before then they just kind of go oh, let the kids get their salary bumped up. But that's a tough one. That's interesting. That's interesting because I I think if you did the same thing with the the rising star kind of thing and said it's winner take all. Yeah. Uh, they, 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 they'd play. Yeah. And they, they, they'd force the other guys to play. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I believe that that might be a way that certainly creates some interest, but like, I don't think it's uh, as good as the international thing, but that's, no. uh, other than that, just if, if you can't come up to something that's for sure going to get them to compete and play basketball, then drop it. It's, it's yeah. an, it's an insult to basketball fans. Yeah. Uh, any thoughts? So we're basically ruling out all small market teams for an all-star, uh, an all-star game going forward with all these new all-star game requirements. Well, as far as I'm concerned, uh, the way the all-star game is, they shouldn't worry about they should any place that wants the damn thing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they, they ought to be able to get it. I, I think that's uh, worrying about hotels and all that stuff. I think that should be at this stage, that ought to be a little less of a factor, but you know, I, you know, it, it, they're they're kind of playing like it's it's something that it used to be. You know, the league is acting like and and you know they got enough sponsors and pe people that'll pay thousands of dollars to be there and watch the fiasco, but none of them are actual serious basketball fans either. It's a uh, you know a, a more of a meet and greet kind of thing. So anyway, I I hate it. I hate it. Like I told you guys last time, I they could have the All Star Game on my cul de sac, and I would not open the curtains. <laughs> Tony, what about you? How do you feel about this? I don't. The the only other idea that I that I would consider, um, well, I, I hate the small market, the, the taking the All Star Game. I understand why they're doing it. I just think it's lame. I just think it's a it's a, another silly uh, threshold the NBA is making. I get it. I just don't like it. Uh, the only other idea for the dunk contest that I thought was kind of interesting is just get, I mean, no offense to Jacob Toppin, but if he's in the, if he's in the dunk contest, then anyone can be in the dunk contest. So just, there's people on Instagram and TikTok who are doing way crazier dunks that have way more to gain 
than these NBA players. Let's just get the actual best dunkers on the planet and put them in this environment and give them a chance to actually make some real money with dunkers who care about dunking and they can make some a life-changing amount of money by doing some crazy things on the basketball court. So uh, again, if, if it was NBA stars doing it, then I understand why you wouldn't want to bring the name value down, but people aren't going there to see Jacob Toppin anyway. So let's get the best dunkers in the world out there. You know, the other thing I'd think about the dunk and uh, you know, it, it would eliminate some of the flash, but uh, make them dribble, you know, I mean, uh, well, why it, it's a, you know, you don't get to run 17 steps in, in a game to dunk. And that's why dunks and games are so much more exciting. Yeah. Uh, they're actual, you know, skilled plays that, that count points. And uh, so I, I would like to, you know, as the three-point shot, at least it's a three-point shot. And, of course, they've I, I think they've uh, hoaxed that up a little bit, too, you know, with the now the three-point balls and, and the whole rack of – of money balls. I, I, I always say I kind of like it. Honestly, I know I'm old school, but back in the bird days, where basically, you know, I think they they had you know one money ball on each rack. That was it. Mm -hmm. And and of course, I'd have liked it better if they had no money balls. Just yeah. shoot the shoot the twenty damn balls and see who makes the most of. And if you have ties, you play it off. You know, but that's why why should you know some three point ball make a be able to make a difference you know anyway I, I know that a lot of people like young people don't see it that way but then if you're going to do that just make it have them shoot four point shots too and uh you know i mean it, but it take to me it takes away from the skill of the three-point shot to give an unusual value to one ball as opposed to another i agree with you guys completely all right we're done with that. We're moving on to subjects that aren't going to give us great uh, brain worms. Um, let's talk about Demona Sabonis uh, here for a hot minute. Um, everywhere I look online right now, there's someone pointing out some ridiculous stat about the season Sabonis is having. Uh, it really just kind of compounded into last night after the game, seeing everybody jump on the basketball reference noted that in their database, he's only the sixth player in NBA history to have 20 plus triple doubles in a season. Uh, the others are Westbrook, Big O, Wilt Chamberlain, Jokic, Harden. Um, he's had 14 since the turn of the calendar. He had 14 all last season. Um, King's Herald uh, um, editor-in-chief Aki pointed out today, Sabonis is on pace for 1,082 rebounds this year. He'd be the first King since 1976 to go over 1,000 boards. And the only other guys to do it were Jerry Lucas, Maurice Stokes, Sam Lacey, Jerry Tony at the start of 2024. I figured this was just a, a couple week hot streak. When does a hot streak become a player just taking a more permanent next step in the case of Jokic or in the case of Sabonis? You know, it's a nice Freudian slip there because <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, like, yeah, no, seriously, he, he, he's uh, playing very close to Jokic, and uh, yeah, you know, I I had the mistake of listening to Tim Legler last night after the game, you know, on the S <laughs> on ESPN, and and you know, it's like you know, basically they were all set to talk about the Clippers and they didn't get a chance to. And so they just had to kind of say something about the Kings. But I mean, and I, I get it. You know, they always say, well, uh, Sabonis doesn't uh, protect the rim well. No, he really doesn't. Uh, but let me ask you something. When's the last time Jokic protected the rim real well? Or Embiid for that matter. And, and I'll take it a step further. As far as switching out on wings and guards, he's way better than either one of them. Yeah. I mean, he yeah. just is, but, but I mean, uh, the, the national media, they don't really watch the Kings until they have to, 
so I, I guess the you know what he's doing is like well yeah but and it's the old well if they can't win a championship then what does it matter well okay I guess Carl Malone and Barkley and Stock those guys were no good yeah. uh, you know that's all I can f figure to 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 make it it's like yeah well. You know, Fox and Sabonis, uh, yeah, if they get another player of their quality, they'll have a, a legit chance to win a championship. I don't think there's any doubt about it. And, and, and Oscar Robertson couldn't win one till he got with Kareem. <laughs> you know, and Jordan did, wouldn't have won any without Pippen. And, and I mean, that's, that's those are just facts. I, I, so it really it just pisses me off, to be honest with you. I mean, and I'll... You know, the whole ESPN thing, that was going to be my, I'm going to go ahead and get into it because I do it, Jerry. Get into chest. it. But, you know, here it is. Here's your in ESPN NBA experts Malika Andrews, Monica McNutt, uh, Kendrick Perkins. Really? Now, uh, uh, Jefferson, I kind of like him. But, but there, those three, I mean, especially Kendrick is supposed to be their main guy. Are you kidding me? You know, are you serious? Whoever hired those. Now, conversely, you go to the NBA TV and they got Greg Anthony and Isaiah Thomas, Steve Smith, uh, uh, guys like that. I mean, uh, Sam Mitchell, former coach and, and player. Uh, I mean, you really get some insight. You know, I mean, I, I really have a lot of respect and I like listening to them. But, you know, the ESPN, the high-paid ones, I don't care what they say. You know, I mean, I I really don't. Uh, Kendrick is, I don't know how. He must have pictures on somebody. Cody, <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> what about you? How do you feel about Sabonis? And likewise, how do you feel about ESPN now? Well, Jerry left out <laughs> who I thought the worst part of anything on ESPN yesterday was Bob Myers um, during the whole broadcast, which I thought I thought he was yeah. terrible. It was like my first real Bob Myers game that I was, and I did not think that was good at all. I, I don't know if that was just me, um, but Sabonis has been uh, incredible, and I think what is maybe getting lost on some people because you're outside of Sacramento, I don't know, is that the the margin for error on the Kings is so narrow they were in a 16-year playoff drought they if they were going to do a swing for the fences trade that guy needed to be great which Sabonis has been great and he also needs to be a guy who's going to play every single night the kings don't have enough talent to afford a guy who can who plays 60 games a year even 70 games a year Sabonis is out there he's uh he has he's mo the most minutes played of any center in the league he's top 10 in NBA minutes overall he's playing every single night he's incredibly productive so and if you're if you're the Kings the Sacramento Kings that's exactly what you need from the guy you're going to pay a lot of money to because you have such a hard time attracting free agents and good players and other avenues so the stars that you get need to do it every single night and I think for the most part Fox does it too but Sabonis really does it as an engine for this team so for for the fit of a star with a franchise I think the Sabonis pairing with the Kings has been um has just been fantastic and i i'm glad he's starting to get a little bit more credit now because what he's doing is very it's very Jokic ish i don't want to put him on that level quite yet um but and, and bob myers did a great job uh mentioning this a hundred times was how much sabonis struggled against the warriors in the playoffs and i do think that hurt his reputation maybe even more than we'd like to admit but you look at what he's doing this year and i i mentioned all that to say before the break he played Jokic twice in denver or against denver and he played he outplayed Jokic in both of those games. And he also outplayed uh, Zubac last night 
in the Clippers. And he also outplayed Chet Holmgren. So these other centers that you're going to play in the Western Conference playoff race for as much crap as we give Sabonis for his struggles against the Warriors, this season he's really outplaying a lot of centers that you would conceivably match up with in the Western Conference. So I am interested to see if this translates into the playoffs, but I think there's been a lot of good signs this season based on how he's played overall, but also the centers that he's outplaying night in, night out that are also in this Western Conference playoff race. Yeah, and and you know he is a better he is a better player this year than last year. I mean, you know, I mean, you look at the three point percentage; doesn't shoot many, but and should shoot more, and and does take occasional step away jump shots and and hook, half hooks you didn't see last year. I mean, it, obviously he's got the power game and footwork, but so he he's a much better player in my opinion. But you know, but you're right. I, I think the national media he did not have a good uh, playoff series. Well, really. Uh, other than Keegan Murray for the Kings, nobody else did either. Or Monk, I think Monk was the only other one that had, because uh, De'Aaron didn't either, or Herder, or, or Barnes, none of them had uh, to the level of the, the regular seasons. But it's uh, it's kind of the uh, the mantra now. You know, you yeah. uh, what have you seen lately? It's like, well, you know, actually he played pretty well in the playoffs he played for Indiana. It's kind of like Herder played terrific for the, for the Hawks and his playoff experience, but uh, you know, it's like, well, do you, are you, do you judge one guy forever on one thing? You know, it, that's kind of, kind of like, uh, you know, gosh, my, my memory's living, but the guy that booted the ball with the Red Sox on first base. Oh, uh, Buckner. <laughs> Buckner. Yeah. I mean, he's a, is that all there was? Maybe he had a marvelous career, you know? Yeah. Uh. <laughs> If Kevon Looney is Brett Buckner's like uh, ball through the legs, I, I will I'll put my head through a wall at the end of his career. <laughs> uh, we've mentioned this a couple of times now, Jerry, with in, in terms of media, how much of this uh, type of discussion around Sabonis, how much is that is Sabonis just paying the Sacramento tax to some extent? Is this is this a big thing? If you were on the Lakers, if you were on the Bucks, if you were still on the Pacers, how much of how much of the dialogue around Sabonis would change? Well, if he were in the East, I, I wouldn't say he'd even have to be in a big market. But most of the, yeah. uh, you know, the talking heads don't really watch late games unless it's the Lakers. Uh, <laughs> maybe late, you know, the last few years, maybe the Warriors. But but uh, so so I think that's a lot of it. I mean, if he were playing for the Charlotte Hornets or Atlanta Hawks or, uh, you know, Cleveland Cavaliers, I mean, he'd be. He'd be viewed very differently. I have no doubt about that. But, but that's the way it is. And it's not unusual for the this franchise, to be honest with you. Uh, so that's that's part of the frustration. And just one last point on Tony. I, I agree. Bob Myers was an outstanding agent and a very good general manager. <laughs> and he really ought to go back to one of those jobs. <laughs> uh, Redditor pointed out... Um, and I know the offenses in 2024 are different. Maybe this inflates the numbers. But in 2012, Rajon Rondo led the league with six triple-doubles. Second place that year was a 12-way tie with a single triple-double. There were 18 total triple-doubles in the NBA in 2012. And and Sabonis has had 14 since January. Um, we've bemoaned Sabonis not being an all-star. Uh, but considering how they've taken positions out of all NBA voting, what are the chances in your guys' mind here that if Sabonis keeps this up, he still isn't going to make the all-NBA team either way? I'd say it's a good chance he won't. You're right. I mean, that's 
because I mean they're going to obviously Jokic and Davis are still going to be ahead of him in the West and Embiid in the East for sure. And so I, I yeah, it's it's one of those things. I, I I'm at the stage now where, you know, the way I look at it is I know he's the best center in the history of the franchise, and that goes back to the Roy. Clearly, is there's not even discussion, and so that says a lot. And then the fact that, you know, I just from a fan's perspective, I really appreciate somebody that tries hard all the time, yeah. just really brings it every night. Uh, he doesn't always he doesn't always have good games, and he's he'll have some stinkers now and then. I or games that aren't real productive, but it'll never be for lack of effort. And, and I, I don't know how many guys you can say that over the years. There's not not very many. It's a small, small group. I think uh, it'll be tough for Sabonis to make an all-NBA team, but I, I think it's, I don't know, it's like 50-50 to me. I know he didn't make the all-star game, but the voting in the all-star game is is terrible. I just hate how they do the voting. The all-NBA voting is not much better, but it, it is the media members, and that could be a good or bad thing. But I do think, you know, when the media members, at least the select people I listen to, heading into the all-star game, a lot of them had Sabonis on their rosters. Um, there's also the new games played requirement, which would knock some some guys out of it, and Sabonis won't have to face that that issue. It, 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 to me, it'll come down to how good the Kings finish. If they finish fifth like they are right now, and you've got Fox and, and Sabonis who are both uh, snubbed at the all-star game, depending on the arguments you want to make, I do think there will be some writing of the wrong, maybe, in giving the Kings some nod in some sort of end of season something. And I think that the media is way more tuned to the narratives, I think, than like the coaches are who vote for all-star games. So I think at the end of the season, the NBA media guys look at the standings, who's done what, and realize the Kings haven't really gotten any praise for having a good season, assuming they finish, you know, fifth seed or higher, who knows. Uh, and Sabonis' numbers just continue to be undeniable. I think he's got a pretty good shot at it, but maybe that's me just being optimistic and really appreciating what Sabonis has done, especially recently. I'm just very high on, on everything he's doing. So I'm, I'm rooting for him to get some sort of recognition, even though like Jerry said, it, it doesn't really mean a lot. Cause at the end of the day, it's just some guys voting on players and we know, we know who he is. So uh, we're post all-star break. Now we've seen two games. We've seen two wins. Um, taking both games into consideration, just kind of as a whole, uh, what have you guys seen from the Kings with that little bit of rest they were able to get last week. What's changed for the Sacramento Kings here since the All-Star break? Well, the Aaron Fox, for one thing. I mean, uh, you know, and he had a really good game before the All-Star break. But I, he looks like the Aaron Fox again, you know, and, and really playing well on both ends and uh, playing, you know, really getting to his spots, taking big shots, making big shots. Uh, so he's he's really got back to – the level he was earlier in the year, which is as good as anybody in the league. Uh, and then, uh, so that, uh, I think the other thing that, you know, for me, it's it just a, a matter. I, I just worry about the bench. I just don't think it's deep enough and good enough. It, I mean, and I don't mean having to do with, you know, I'd love for him to prove me wrong and win a championship, but I mean, just to have a chance to advance playoff wise. I, I just think the bench is just too thin. And, uh, you know, that, uh, you know, that's just where it is, especially with the way the West is. Tony, what about you? Have you, what have you seen from these, uh, these, these first two games back from the all-star break? I, I was, uh, at times a little bit frustrated, um, during the Spurs game, but that Clippers win was so big and the guys who stepped up, it was so good to see that I'm, I'm just feeling very optimistic today. 
Um, <laughs> especially with, I mean, Fox, I said this in our King's Herald uh, chat. I don't, I don't know if this is true. It just felt true that that might've been Fox's best defensive game ever against the Clippers, the way he was getting into Harden. I mean, Fox has always been a good steals and deflections guy because he's quick and he gets into passing lanes, but he also has been a, a gambler at times too. I thought last night, the way he stuck with Harden, he played Harden tight. He was visibly frustrating Harden. At a certain point, you could tell Harden just didn't, didn't want to play with the ball in his hands anymore with the way Fox is pestering him. So to to see the kind of impact that Fox can have on a game on defense when he's really firing at all c- cylinders um, makes me optimistic for the final stretch and for even the playoffs because I do think this team even before the dead uh, before the uh, break if you go to that last Denver game they held Denver I think to like ninety eight points or something so I think their defense is making some strides uh, their offense to me still needs some work oddly but. What I'm seeing on defense from this team right now in this little stretch, and it hasn't been a huge sample size, but just that Denver game before the break, the Clippers game last night, is a higher level of defense than I really remember seeing from this team maybe at any point last season. So I still have a ton of concerns, but if there's one thing uh, that I'm feeling better about, it's their defense overall, and it starts with Fox. Yeah, the rotations were terrific for the most part, with the exception of Norman Powell. I don't know... You know, if he has some, <laughs> what whatever it was, he was he was open way too much. But I thought the effort was just terrific. And as you pointed out, I, I you know, one little thing crossed my mind watching Fox get into Harden, and I, I'm not at all sure that the Kings ought to think in terms of putting Fox on the bigger, slower guards. Yeah. Uh, you know, it, it's one of those things that he. You know, he bugs the crap out of those kind of guys with it. You know, the quicker guys gives him trouble, just like he gives big guys trouble or anybody trouble. So so we'll roll through each of these games specifically now. Um, Jerry, obviously, it was my uh, my favorite tank uh, targets first time in Sacramento when the Spurs came to town. Uh, how do you think the Kings did in handling Wembenyama in his first trip to the Golden One Center? And I guess how maybe they struggled a bit against the real Spurs star that night. Uh, Devin Vassell, how do you guys think the Kings did against the Spurs? Uh, obviously, the Spurs took a, a a lead late in the game on a Vassell three. Kings finished with a 9-0 run. Um, overall, how did you guys see that game going for the Kings? Well, overall, I, I t- other than the fact they won, it'd be a d- disappointing game because, uh, you know, truthfully, the Spurs were in position to win. Yeah. And uh, Vassell, I thought, was terrific. I mean, you know, he's one of those guys we all liked coming out of the draft and and there again, you know, kind of you're seeing the patience paying off now in year three. Uh, and and I think he's, uh, you know, it looks like he's got a real future there. And and Wimbanyama, as it goes, he gets better and better. You know, I mean, he's uh, he is a, a one of one. I, I don't know what level of greatness he's going to achieve, but it's going to be it's going to be somewhere in that category eventually. And I wouldn't give him rookie of the year. Don't get me wrong. I, Chet Holmgren deserves that, uh, you know. Uh, but but I mean, he I, I don't think too much doubt that he'll pass Holmgren as a player in time. I think. But uh, but anyway, yeah, there. You know, it it does surprise me, and I'll just say this, as much as I admire Coach Pop, uh, you know, this team hasn't improved any, and you, and you watch them, and you're saying. Why aren't they better? They're not on the pace to really win any more than they did last year. And that's, and that's another, and I'm not blaming Wimbledon Young, but you can't give him credit he hadn't earned. And it still still comes down to winning games at some point, I think, doesn't it? Go ahead, Tony. 
Yeah, to me in the in the Spurs game, the only I, I mean they they their offense actually was there that game, and I just uh, applauded them for their good defense against the Clippers and the Nuggets. They they do lose focus against bad teams. We saw the same thing against Detroit, so that's always a concern for me. It felt like a classic game where the Kings maybe underestimate their opponents coming in and almost choke it, but uh, just because they are more talented, they were able to pull out the win. Um, we we're recording this on Monday, so they're playing against a Miami Heat team that's missing a few players, and I'm. It's one of those in situations oh. where I'm almost more scared that they're missing players because I just don't know <laughs> what Kings scared are to death. <laughs> yeah. scared but I think that's yeah, death. that's the Spurs game to me. It's like you play these random bad teams and you just don't know what Kings what Kings team is going to show up. Unfortunately, but you know, with the Heat too, and I'm I am I I just nervous already, like a yeah, like I it's a, like I got something on the line. But but you know, you know, it's a Pat Riley ran Eric Spolster coached mm-hmm. Miami Heat team, and whoever they trot out there will bust their humps. Uh, that's one thing I know, and it's that, and as you know, talent wise, no, that that Kings should beat this team, but I, but I know that you're going to have to beat them. Oh yeah, you're going to have to beat these guys. That that's 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 who the Miami Heat are. I can't wait for somebody listening to us tomorrow at about like three p.m. after the Kings win by forty six, and we all sound like like chickens running around <laughs> with our heads cut off. I'll take it. Yeah. Well, I'll take. I'll yeah. take it. <laughs> Yeah. Congratulations, I mean, future you. I've been called an idiot before and justifiably so. <laughs> so okay, we're gonna let's talk about the Clippers game. We already have a little bit here, but uh Kings had a very good all-around game against the, the, the Clippers squad with they had three Hall of Famers playing. Um Fox pointed it out after the game. The Clippers never scored 30 in a quarter. The Kings scored over 30 three out of the four quarters. Sabonis had himself what we'd consider an off game. Um, certainly an off first half still wound up with a triple-double. He pretty much had that by halftime. Uh, talk to me a little bit about the about the game that uh, the Kings had against the Clippers. Well, I thought, it, uh, you know, Tony alluded to, uh, to a degree, but I thought the defense was just outstanding. I thought Coach Brown and his staff, I thought they had a great plan, you know, where they really took a lot of defensive chances on and needed to on Kawhi Leonard and Harden. And so they kind of, you know, that was, that was, and neither one of those guys had big games. And, you know, other than Powell, who really hurt him. And, and you know, and I think, you you know, clearly you can't really focus on two guys without giving somebody some pretty good looks. And, uh, but yeah, I, I thought, you know, I, I, I don't know when I've seen a better defensive game by the Kings in, in years. Yeah, I already talked about the, the Clippers game. The one thing I guess I'd add in that game in particular is we've seen the Kings struggle against this Clippers team twice already this season where they just looked way, way, way overmatched. And granted, I know Paul George missed last night's game. Uh, They're a different team with all three of those guys, but it was just really good to see that effort against a team that I'm sure they internally have tar. I mean, if the playoffs started today, that, that might be their matchup. So the, this is a team you got to prove like, if you can't just get your ass kicked against them four times in a row and then go to a playoff series and expect to have a whole lot of confidence going in. So I hope if, if nothing else, Getting this win against a very good Clippers team on their home court is a nice confidence booster for this team as we head into the playoff stretch because the these guys have given them a hard time before. Yeah, I, I really do think they're a real threat mm-hmm. to Denver in the in the in the fight to get to the finals or whatever. But uh, I thought last night was a great game, and you know, no, like you say, no Paul George. Of course, I'm very thankful that the Clippers don't have Shea Gilgis Alexander. Instead of Paul George, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you, know, you know, so you know, you got to be thankful for some things. 
Yeah, I'm not sure who paid Zach Zarba to give uh, De'Aaron Fox a uh, a technical there at the you know in the last stretch of the game, but I'm pretty sure it was a Kings fan. De'Aaron Fox, when he's pissed off, plays better than just about anybody but Michael Jordan in the history of the league. And the second he got mad and you saw he was animated, I went, "Okay, this game, this game's pretty much done." De'Aaron Fox is about to do something. That was a uh, that was a terrifying last couple of minutes for De'Aaron Fox, and I'm I'm glad the Kings could pull out the victory there. One one last thing too, the technical, uh, you know, after Do- Domas got that great dunk over the top of Zubat, yeah. and uh, and uh, oh. I guess Mason Jones, and and yeah. uh, it, it it's a it, it was the right call. You can't run out on the floor, and uh, <laughs> and he and he did. I mean, it, it, I wouldn't blame the kid. I mean, he's excited, but probably doesn't even know the rules. But uh, yeah. no, I you know like. Heard some people say, "Oh, you can't make that call." Well, yeah, you can. That's what it's for, <laughs> you know. Or you, you know, you you just have guys jumping out there, five or six guys every exciting play, like sometimes they used to do before they instigated some of this. So anyway, Jerry, I'm glad you brought up Mason Jones because yeah. he has fundamentally changed the way that I'm watching these Kings games now. Because every possession that the Kings take any sort of shot. I can't help but glance up to the bench and see the guy with the bright blonde hair and see what his reaction is going to be because he is going insane after every shot, not even like a mate shot. Like Harrison Barnes will take a mid-range jumper and he's getting up off the bench clapping just every single time the Kings do anything. He's jumping off the bench doing something. So I'm not surprised he finally got dinged for it. In some ways, uh, I'm sure someone on the Kings is going to tell him to ratchet it down a little bit. But in other ways, it's been very entertaining to watch him lose his mind over the most mundane basketball plays on every single possession. You know, it's great to have, you know, a guy at the end of the bench, too. It's great to have a guy like him. And that's what they need to be. Mm-hmm. And I, I think the Kings are very fortunate. You, you legitimately see guys pulling for guys. I mean, and, and that's not always the case, by the way. And I think sometimes as fans, we forget that this is a unique bunch in that regard. I mean, I don't think there's many uh many agendas other than you know i mean you're like anybody if you have a bad game you're you know you probably going to find somebody to blame other than yourself but but that's that's human nature but this this uh that's why i like this team i mean the unselfishness and the togetherness that they seem to have is uh unique yeah. doesn't mean they win a championship because you know the last time i checked you could have three guys that don't like each other like Magic and Worthy and Jabbar next to (laughs) (laughs) being really good is even more important. (laughs) Mason Jones is just one of those guys that uh, he hasn't played 60 seconds for the Kings. And I'm already rooting that he stays on the team for the rest of the year. It's something about the bench. Just Tony, I'm with you here where anytime somebody hits anything, I'm kind of like, all right, looking on the bench to see what the hell is that kid doing over there? Fantastic. uh, 10 out of 10 edition. One last thing, and I thought Davion Mitchell made two. I mean, I thought he was a real, yeah. you know, they don't win the game without him. And he shot the ball with some confidence and when he needed to. So uh, Davion, yeah. and uh, bless his heart, you know, he goes in there and he busts his hump and guys plow through him and they call fouls on him. But that's the way it's going to be. <laughs> <laughs> I was uh, I was looking for something nice to say about Davion because I thought he had been playing pretty decent even though his numbers aren't amazing and i do think the the one thing i found from his that i was a little bit surprised by but it is encouraging um since he returned to the rotation so he's been in the rotation again for about 15 games and he's shooting 46 percent from three in those 15 games which is an insane number for him i don't expect that to keep up but i it is 
I don't know. Mike Brown pushed some right buttons there because Davion was not playing well and he was ineffective and he benched him a few times and he gave him this nice long stretch to kind of earn some minutes again. And if nothing else, like Jerry said, he was good last night, but if nothing else, he is shooting pretty consistently from three in those minutes over the last 15 games. So hopefully Davion can keep trending in that direction too. So as of this recording, the Kings are in fifth by like two Money McNair head hairs with 26 games remaining. How uh, how confident are you guys that the Kings will be a top six guaranteed seven game series playoff team? How how certain are you guys that the Kings at this point are a top six team in the West? Well, I'd like to say I'm certain, but but I'm not. I I, I think the West there's just so many teams packed in there, and you just don't know. Uh, I do like the fact that the Kings have more home games than just about anybody uh, yeah. relative to the road. Now there's some tough tough games in there. And it, we know the Kings really haven't been as good at home as they should be, even though they're better on the road than you might expect. So, uh, but so that, that's the one thing I think leads me to think they could hold on to no worse than six is the, the schedule as tough as it is. They've got about a five, four or five game advantage over most teams. Uh, some of which have played so many more at home than on the road. Uh, so, so there's that. Yeah, I don't know. This is, it's so tight. The Kings were eighth yesterday and then this morning they're fifth. So the, just the, the way that it could shift in a, in overnight is insane. And I think the thing that I'm most concerned about is that the, the teams below them are, all of them are so hot right now. The Lakers, the Pelicans, uh, and the Lakers and the Mavs are seven and three in their last 10 games. The Warriors who are 10th are eight and two in their last 10 games. So every team below the Kings is playing better than the Kings and the Kings are also playing pretty well. So there really is, you, you can't have one, one bad game right now, which is why this Miami Heat game to me is so terrifying. So it, I just have no confidence one way or the other. If they finish as high as four, I'd be happy, but not shocked. And if they finish as low as 10th, I'd be disappointed, but also not shocked because there's no one below them that is like stuttering right now. Everyone is really playing as hard as they can to, to climb up these standings. Yeah, you know, too, I think with uh, certainly with uh, Phoenix, I think Royce O'Neal was a terrific pickup yep. for them. Yep. And if and he's going to make them a little bit better. And uh, so, you know, that worries me a little bit. Uh, I think Dallas, too, got better getting P.J. Washington and Gafford. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, with Irving healthy uh, and, of course, not just playing, you know, I know a lot of people hate he cries so much. I do too, but he's really, really good. My God. <laughs> and, you know, so, so anyway, yeah, it's, it's just a, you know, you could, I think the Kings could finish sixth. I really don't see them finishing the top four. Uh, I just think there's four teams that are better and, and, and likely to stay that way. But I think it's up for grabs five, you know, you can, you know, I, like like Tony said, I mean the Warriors. I mean now they they kind of took it on the chin the other night, but uh, but that was against Denver, you know, and they're pretty good. And uh, so it's a uh, we, we won't know. I, I just really believe it's going to come down last week's season, and uh, you know, just hope Kings stay healthy and win the games they're supposed to win, and maybe steal one or two they probably shouldn't. Now in a playoffs, uh, in a play-in scenario, just kind of surveying the landscape here in case either one of these happens, you got teams like the Golden State Warriors, the Lakers, Mavericks, Suns, maybe the Pelicans. 
Is is there a matchup there that you prefer more than others? I, I can assume the matchup you fear the most is probably the Pelicans, but is there a matchup there that you like more than others in terms of the Warriors, Lakers, Mavs, Suns, or Pelicans? You know, I kind of like the, you know, like, I, I think it's true, but I would prefer the Mavs, I think, over any of them. I just think the matchups are a little bit better. And uh, although I think they're tough, I've watched them a little bit. I think they are better now uh, since the new additions. But I, I like I like that the best. And probably, you know, the second best, as much as I hate to say it, probably the Lakers. Yeah. You know, and I mean, they scare me to death because LeBron's still alive and breathing. And, and so... <laughs> And so there's that, but, but yeah, I, I think talent wise, you know, I think the Kings and the way they play really are a tough matchup for the Lakers. Yeah. I'm, I, I think I'm exactly aligned with Jerry on that. The Pelicans has been the worst matchup this year by far out of those teams. The Warriors just beat you in the playoffs last year. So I'd, if I can help it, I'd rather not play them. I don't know if anyone else watched, uh, listen, um, sorry, read, uh, Hunter Patterson in The Athletic today, he had an interview with Keegan Murray. Um, and in that piece, he called it out, which I, I knew this from just watching the games, but Murray has defended Doncic extremely well, almost better than anyone in the league in limiting to inefficient shooting. So I think there's a good matchup there for the Kings. They actually have someone who can play the opposing team's best player really strong in Keegan Murray. So I like that matchup. And then that kind of just leaves the Lakers as that number two team by default, because I really don't want to see the, the Warriors um, or uh, sorry, yeah, the Pelicans or the Warriors. So, but that being said, I think the Mavericks, now that you have Gafford there, that's just more for Sabonis to deal with. So they're better and it's not going to be an easy matchup, but I, if I have to pick, I guess I'll take Dallas because I think they can match up with Doncic better than the stars on any of these other teams really. You know, and I, I think one other thing, I think the Fox matches up pretty well with Kyrie. Yeah. yeah. And and I, I think in, in, clearly if you slow those guys down, nobody's going to stop them. But if you just slow those guys down to make them get their 60 points on 50 shots, uh, you're going to have a great chance to win. And I really think the Kings have, a, personally think they have a good chance of doing that. Okay. Well, Tony, we're going to roll over to you for the uh, Patreon question of the day. Thanks, Will. On every episode of this podcast, we ask at least one question from our King's Herald patrons. You can submit questions at patreon.com slash King's Herald or on Twitter or on the website. And if you submit a question and don't hear it answered on this show, we record a Patreon exclusive Q&A once a month where we ask all the leftover questions. So fear not, it will get answered somewhere, whether it's here or the Patreon exclusive show. Uh, this week's question comes from Joe Weaver. And uh, Joe asks, at the end of the season, we might really be pointing to the game in Denver right before the break as the turning point of the season. They won that game with defense and arguably did the same against the Clippers. Have they figured it out on that end? Mm. That's a great question. I mean, I I think, they, I think they're getting better. I, I don't know what else I could... I mean, I think you're seeing... A team that is starting to kind of get it as far as uh, effort, more consistent effort, I, I think. Although, having said that, the, the Spurs wasn't <laughs> defensively. Uh, but, I mean, I know they're ranked 19th in the league defensively. And that's, you know, that's better than they were last year, significantly better. But the bad news is they're, they're thir what, 13th in, in offense and 10th in pace. So, the you know, the they're, they're uh, I mean, they're a good team, but a differently good team. I think better defensively, worse offensively. Uh, probably, 
thinner bench. Uh, well, what does it mean? Uh, I don't know. I, I mean, I think this team is capable of winning 50 games. I think it's capable of winning a first-round playoff, and mainly because they are better defensively, slightly better defensively. And Sabonis is having a career year, and I, and I don't know if he can get triple doubles all every game. But uh, yeah, it. Uh, I, I I don't know. I I think overall, though, I I do like their effort defensively more than I did last year. I thought last year they just never. You you couldn't pick out <laughs> ten minutes of good defense, could you? Uh. Will, I guess two parts to that. Did you, it might be too early to say, but Denver as the turning point game for this team. And then also, do you think this team has made some, turned some kind of a quarter on defense? I don't know if you can say how good they are or aren't just yet, but do you see any difference there? Yeah. I, I mean, I'd have been more confident. I'd have been all about it if this had been a stretch either right before the All Star break or right after the All Star break. But like, playing a Denver team that didn't have Michael Porter Jr. had some guys out. Uh, they they beat a team that they needed to beat and they beat them. Then they had a week off. Then they nearly lost to the San Antonio Spurs and had to go on a massive run in the last, you know, basically 90 seconds, 120 seconds to win the game. And then they had a really good defensive game against the Clippers. It, 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 there's too much time in between those two things happening, the Clippers win and the, and the Nuggets win for me to be like, ah, oh, they did it. We're we're on track now. But like, uh, it, I mean, if you squint, you just see them. It, the they're trending upward. We'll say it that way. The 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 line is trending upward, and I'm and I'm happy about that. But I can't necessarily say that that was the thing that turned them around. Like I can't point to the Denver Nuggets game and be like, that's what's going to do it. If you give me five more games of this, and all of a sudden they're 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 killing guys on defense, and nobody's scoring thirty points in a quarter on them, sure. I'll be happy to do it. I I don't think we can quite say that yet, especially considering that the Spurs near if had the Spurs beat the Kings in that game, would we be saying, oh, the Kings still turned it around? They just lost. No, we'd be like, holy <laughs> shit. Like, because they were in eighth, I think, when they played the Spurs. Had they lost to the Spurs, I think if anything, the Spurs game, that two-minute run might have saved their season, much less the Denver Nuggets game turning the season around. But uh, that's I digress. You know, it's a, but you are make a good point. I, I mean, I will say this. I don't know that the Denver game turned things around, but I'll say I do think there's something to be said for beating the world champs. You know, yeah. it's just yeah. it's just something. You know, you can puff out your chest a little bit, regardless. And now, as far as maybe I'd almost say maybe and hope that the Clipper game really is more of the yeah. of the of the turnaround because it was clearly a better defensive game, yeah. uh, but. But I, I, I wouldn't dismiss the, the Denver thing, especially the way things have been going, because, you know, if, if it's just a, a good Denver team like they've been for the last few years before, uh, wouldn't have meant near as much as, hey, uh, you know, they won the world championship. So, and, and we beat them. <laughs> so there's that. Yeah, it's probably too early to say turning point, but we could, uh, in hindsight, you know, at the end of the season, we might look back and say, hey, look what happened here. I, I I could buy that. I What Jerry said to me is is what's most important is that they're definitely better than they were last year, which is yeah. huge. And they all, they're starting to develop like 
notable defensive identities and they're starting to figure out what they actually want to do. Just again, reading that Keegan Murray piece in the athletic, it's like they, they know what they want to do. Mike Brown knows what he wants to do this year. He's going to put Keegan on their best score most nights, if it makes sense. But then against him at the Clippers, if you have Harden uh, as a slower guard on the ball, you're going to put Fox on him because maybe the speed can disrupt. So they, they're kind of figuring out how to match up with teams with their personnel. Whereas last year, it just seemed like they were playing man on man defense or zone and they didn't really have guys that were specialty stoppers of any other guys in any position. So I just feel like Mike Brown is figuring out who his players can best guard. And they're really trying hard to optimize their matchups every night. And it, I think that lends itself to better preparation in the playoffs when they kind of know who has roles on, on in what cert, sort of plays in the defensive system. So I do think it's getting better. It's getting more structured. It's getting more professional. But that's also partly because they're coming off of last year where it just, that was barely an NBA team defensively like they were incredible offensively but that team had just no interest in defending at all so they're they're learning which i think is a is a great step yeah i'd, I'd like to give a shout out to coach brown there a little bit too so i i, I think he's done a couple of things that uh, he's had least responsible for i mean certainly keegan murray and De'Aaron fox are clearly better defenders yeah. than they were last year uh, so that's more, mostly the credit on the player, but some certainly to the coach. And then a third thing I've seen more of, and I don't know if you guys would agree, but uh, he knows that Domas is not a good rim protector. And so he's running him in double teams. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, he's just, you know, which, okay, he's good at it for a big guy. Mm -hmm. He'll, he'll put out the effort. And I, I thought that's pretty smart. Now, you know, it's like, well, okay, what's he good at? Uh, what's he not good at? Yeah. Let's let's use him in some double teams because he'll give the effort and uh, and get the ball. You know, so it's it's kind of interesting. I, I think there's 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 a reason to be a little bit optimistic. How's that? that <laughs> yeah. That's all. I, that's all I got for you. A little bit of reason. I'll zoom out a little bit further and say, if that first season they figured out, hey, Fox and Sabonis work. Keegan is a really good rookie. He's a an amazing shooter. We can we can put together a, an insane offense. And if this season what they figure out is okay, the offense slipped, but we've got guys here that can play defense. Keegan can play defense. Fox can play defense. And they just kind of sort out. Okay, we need this kind of defender to help with Sabonis. We need this kind of defender on the wing. If all we get from that is the first season's offense, second season is sorting out the defense. I'm gonna be really really excited next year. Like even if we yeah. go to the first round, lose in six games you know, put on a, a decent show and end up ultimately not moving on to the second round next year. If, if the Kings can keep this up for the rest of the season, that's the year that I'm going to be really excited for third year. Keegan, a second year of Fox giving a shit on defense, uh, another year of Domas being healthy and seeing what he can do after being snubbed or whatever else like that. Like, I think that's the season that I'm really, really hyped up for. Now Kings could fall off, off the cliff. Fox could get injured. I'm going to knock on wood here to make sure that doesn't happen. But at the end of time here, like at the end of the day, if all we get from this is a hey, Kings can play defense and they can play offense, I'm good to go. I'm set for this. Yeah, season. yeah, they're progressing. They're progressing. Yeah. And yeah. that boy said, I, I always remember the so-called great years of the Kings back in that early 2000, late 90s, and you know this the, the second year it was a 44 win team that got swept in the playoffs. Now, but they were actually, I know it wouldn't sound like they're better, but they knew then what they needed to do. And they went and got another piece and then later on another piece. And, and, and I think that's, I think most of us have a pretty good idea what they need to do. And, and, and I'm pretty sure Monty does <laughs> since he's smarter than we are. And that, uh, you know, if 
So just go get Jalen Smith and then everything will be okay. <laughs> Uh, all right, Jay, well, we're going to roll over you for the Reynolds wrap-up. I know you talked about ESPN already, but we missed a week. So if you want to talk for two minutes about your Kansas City Chiefs, please go on ahead. <laughs> no, you know, I I, I can't. Uh, I want to take the high road there. Because uh, <laughs> <laughs> I've taken the low road enough, so I need to take the <laughs> high road. Because really, and really, speaking about the Chiefs, yeah, you know, they, they won the world championship. So I, uh, I don't think they – and nobody except them expected that they would about midway through the season. And, uh, you know, and they did it differently. And that's why as basketball fans or any fans, you always, there's different ways of doing it. They didn't win on their offense. They went on their defense. I mean, their defense was, was great. Their offense was due to Mahomes was above average. And, uh, so there's ways of doing it kind of like the Kings. It's like, well, nobody expects the Kings to be much better with the same guys. And uh, they were so poor defensively that what can they do in the playoffs if they get there? Well, they're a little better defensively. That's the, they really are. They're, they're also worse, a little worse offensively, but uh, they've got time to kind of correct some of that. So I guess that's it. I'm just rambling. I, 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 I just, it just always frustrates me that, that in today's media and, fan, and a lot of fans, if you don't win the championship, then you're a dog. Yeah, you know, and I, I, I'm just not ready to go there. I, I always say one of the best football teams in the history of football was the Buffalo Bills, four straight times to the Super Bowl. They didn't win it, but can you imagine being good enough to get to the finals of playoffs? You know, it's kind of like the old. As, as much as I enjoyed it, the I was for the Lakers then when the West Lakers and you know they couldn't beat the Celtics. Well, they, they were a great team. They couldn't beat the Celtics. Did that make them dogs? No. There, there's, you know, there's one team that gets to win it. And uh, you hope someday it'll, you know, you'll be good enough to do it. I know the Kings were one year and and, and were cheated. Yes. <laughs> and, and so there's a, there's a lot of reasons, uh, even if you're good enough, you're not going to win it. So anyway, that's it. I'll just pout a little bit by myself here for the game. <laughs> we'll take it, Jerry. All righty. So on behalf of uh, uh, the Kings Herald and everyone else, uh, 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 I mean, Tony, Jerry, and everyone else at the Kings Herald, I want to thank you guys for listening to another episode. We uh, we appreciate you guys uh, subscribing to our Patreon as well. That helps us keep the lights on. Um, it's uh, it's an honor to be able to do this with Tony and Jerry. And uh, and uh, it's all because you guys are out there supporting us in in big and small ways alike. And uh, we'll see you in two weeks, uh, God willing, and the weather permitting, and any power poles in the city of Rockland permitting, we'll see you in two weeks. So we appreciate you guys. We'll see you in two weeks.